Cancel culture is a growing topic across social media platforms today, with the ability to change the trajectory of people's lives by exposing the truth. Does cancel culture play a productive role in upholding citizen accountability? In this episode, we unpack the minutia of cancel culture in Canadian society, from false rape accusations to reported suicides, how it's reshaping our understanding of accountability and freedom, and why it's an issue. Today joining me are Vatsal and Kathleen. Hi everyone, I'm Kathleen. I'm a second year athletic therapy student here at Mount Royal. Hi, I'm Vatsal. I'm a first year student at, first year student of computer information systems here at MRU. So for anyone who hasn't heard of cancel culture before, let's get everyone acquainted with it. Uh, so in its simplest form, uh, it is a way of rebellion and public shaming of, of individuals who have acted out or spoken in a very controversial way. It is a way for people on social media to express disapproval and to call for accountability on someone's actions. While it may seem like a very new concept, the roots of cancel culture go back much further than that. Public shaming and ostracism have been a part of societies for centuries. Back in World War II eras in Japan, adulterers were publicly exposed simply to shame them for their actions. Same goes for women who were in love affairs with German men around that time. These acts of public shaming have evolved into the cancel culture we see today, holding people accountable for their crimes only deemed impure by the times we find ourselves in. As described by the social critique of Norris in 2023, cancel culture involves the collective strategies used by activists to achieve social ostracism of individuals accused of offensive actions or statements. It's a movement that is rapidly gaining traction, especially in places like Canada where diversity and inclusion are so very important. While cancel culture has been hailed as a form of democratic justice, its current state poses a threat to the freedom of speech. It promotes a society of intimidation and even leads to unlawful justice and public shaming. So we must ask ourselves, where do we draw the line between holding somebody accountable and infringing on their right to express themselves? Is it ethical to infringe our rights in the name of justice? That's what we hope to find out in this podcast. Personally, I have seen cases where people's lives have been screwed up because of a single comment online that was blown away out of proportion. I had this friend in high school where this exact thing happened. A political comment was made on a social media site, of which, in in all fairness, it wasn't a very agreeable political comment, but it was not meant to attack or offend anyone. However, some students took it as an attack to their belief system and went straight to the school with it. He was suspended for a comment made outside of school hours, and he was shunned by his peers and teachers. It ruined relationships all around him, simply over a comment that had no intent to attack anyone and was simply expressing his own views. What that tells me is that we really need to evaluate cancel culture in the way of the principles set out under the freedom of speech under our charter and against our current ethical values. How can we protect our freedoms while also holding people accountable for their actions? Well, it's a delicate balance and it does require some deep consideration. As we continue today's episode, let's remember that the solutions to these complex issues are not straightforward. There is no right and wrong, no way that something needs to be done. But one thing is certain, the conversation must continue. At its core, council culture is a mechanism that people can use to hold people in high social status accountable for their actions. It's about calling people out for the wrongdoings and mistakes, and it's reshaped how we interact and behave in the technological world. 
This system, in theory, works well for tackling clear-cut issues like those of racism and sexism, where the line between right and wrong is fairly clear. In cases where other forms of judgment have been slow to act, cancel culture has been instrumental in pushing societal norms towards a more inclusive way. But, and there is always a but, cancel culture primarily in media has led to significant consequences for individuals sometimes unjustly. As pointed out in 2022, celebrities can experience significant losses in followers due to cancel culture, whether it is deserved or not. While losing some followers does not sound terrible, it can be life-changing and hurtful towards someone's reputation. In Laurie made a crucial observation in noting that the social critique can never truly be alone with their thoughts. This means that there's no private space in public discourse anymore. Today, this is more relevant than ever. With social media platforms growing larger by the day, public speech is constantly being shaped and controlled by the perception of others. This behavior goes way far beyond just public perception. It's also about mental health too. Anxiety and depression are becoming more concerning at the age of cancel culture. And with that being said, let's move on to the ethical dilemmas about the legality of cancel culture, and more importantly, whether or not it infringes our rights of free speech. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms is the cornerstone in our society. It protects us against government infringements on societal norms. Yet many social media platforms have become the new guardians for freedom of expression, creating a safe space for diverse ideas and new perspectives. But here's where it gets complicated. With the rise of cancel culture, there have been strong-armed social media platforms that generate mutable policies that mirror our societal norms. Recently, this has led to the silencing of those with different views. Good example of this uh, that you guys can relate to is Twitter's Project Veritas initiative. This program is a system that automatically deletes posts that don't align with, with Twitter's political views. It caused significant issues and questions about the state of free speech in our digital environments. Questions such as are we truly allowed free speech online or is are these initiatives simply ways to silence those who oppose collective social views? But there is a paradox at play here. Cancel culture, although it often does claim to be working in the name of justice, ironically undermines the democratic ideals set out by the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So how do we get around this? A good way to move forward is to establish rules and regulations around canceling, holding people accountable who wrongly accuse others, making sure all views are heard, and giving everyone a chance to defend themselves before getting canceled are all good ways to make it a more fair system. Let's jump into a case here that was published by The Guardian back in January. So this was a case of a young man named Jordan Trengrove. He was accused with three accounts of rape after his then partner brought to social media false claims that he had admitted to raping her and using um, derogatory terms to insult and degrade her. Ultimately, police found that she had been creating false accounts and targeting innocent men and placing false accusations to their names. So there's two crucial factors that we should note in this case. The first is being how easy it is to create false narratives to people's names on social media. In this case, the woman accused Trengrove of taking um, by taking pictures of other men and claiming that it was him. Second, we should also note how, the, how posting things on social media have a lasting impact. After Trengrove was let out of prison, he was convinced that this case had been over and that 
this misunderstanding had been cleared. Unfortunately, shortly after this, a rally of over a hundred thousand people followed him. And it was clear to him that no matter where he went, someone would always know. These things are important to note because Jordan was not able to move past this incident, but rather his life was stopped and he was not able to move forward. So cancel culture has also led to the unwillingness of individuals in sharing honest ideas because of the fear of being harassed or politically ostracized. If we look uh, at social media as today, there's a higher, there's high political affiliations on certain platforms that dominate over others. There was an article published on the PEW Research Center where researchers sought out to understand what political affiliations were attributed to certain platforms. Ultimately, uh, they did find that there were more left-leaning individuals on platforms such as Instagram and Snapchat, whereas previously Facebook, a more right-wing dominant platform. This is a crucial. This is crucial to note because inevitably there was a swing towards content that suits the ideologies of the major political group. When there was a minority group, it is less likely that their ideas will be accepted, and that means that there is fear built in that prevents people from openly expressing their beliefs. Social media is designed to connect individuals to like-minded people and foster a place of online community. However, when individuals cannot be assured that their perspectives are going to be tolerated and respected, social media becomes unsafe not only emotionally but physically, and people are more likely to become isolated. You saw this a lot in the pandemic, uh, when individuals were forced to connect with people virtually through various media platforms. With the uproar of many political discussions during that time, individuals risked being outcast, uh, brutally attacked, and could result in them getting cancelled. For many, it was just easier to isolate themselves rather than to potentially put them into an unsafe situation. Social media is a public space. It is inevitable that the impacts of being cancelled will transfer to many aspects of a person's life. Going back to the Trengrove case, it's clear that once a person is cancelled, it's almost impossible for them to outrun the image and accusations made against them. The article on Jordan Trengrove revealed a heart-wrenching de detail. At the time of his court trials, he became a father to his son, who he would not be able to give the love and support he desired to foster. Because of the trauma that followed him constantly, Jordan reported, I tried to distance myself away. My whole life just became sitting and playing video games. Everything being said, it is crucial for society to bring about more reasonable conversation among diverse perspectives to ultimately broaden the understanding and reject the use of bias. Not only will this prevent the punishment of innocent people, but it will also go on to break down the political barriers that cause social division. Developing a more fair system to protect people from being cancelled is important and must be put in place to keep this system just for everyone. Making proper use of the judicial system to give individuals an outlet to make their claims and face a reasonable penalty for their actions is also a good way to avoid the use of cancel culture and from suffering false accusation. By reasonably applying Canadian rights within their contest across all social media platforms, users will be less likely to develop and heighten false claims and individuals will not be subjected to cruel and unlawful punishment to society. That concludes this episode of the MRU's Best Podcast for today. We hope that this podcast made you think critically about the impacts of cancel culture in our society. If you have any further questions on the topic of or topics for future episodes, please send us an email at fakeemailforschool at mountroyal.ca. Have a wonderful day, and we hope to hear from you all soon.